Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Humankind Podcast for Leaders. I'm your host, Anthony Ormsby-Hale, and today I'm excited to be joined by Loretta Bainey, a 35-year security management professional who spent the first 15 years of her career managing security personnel before starting her own training company, offering topics including security management and operations, leadership, conflict resolution, and communication skills. In 2016, when Loretta's mom, Doris, was diagnosed with dementia, Loretta began understanding and learning everything she could about the dreadful disease of dementia and hoped to share that information with others so that they could be more prepared for the devastating diagnosis that is dementia and Alzheimer's disease. In 2013, that hope turned into Loretta's first book, Being My Mom's Mom, which highlights the first six years of the family's dementia journey. I first met Loretta in 2018 during a workshop that she conducted in Louisville, Kentucky, and was struck by her kindness, empathy, and contagious laughter. During this episode, we'll discuss Loretta's caregiving journey and how that shaped her ability to be kind and patient with others, including a valuable no-tech life hack that she offers that you can start to use right away to gain control of your day and your time. We talk about Legos. Yes, you heard me right, those things that we used to step on in the dark, and how Legos can be used to help teams communicate clearly. But what I loved most about this conversation with Loretta is that she shares something that we can all do right away, which is look for opportunities to share our time and talents with strangers and the joy that comes along with that experience. That being said, here's Loretta Bainey. Loretta, thanks so much for joining me today on Humankind Podcast for Human Leaders. Um, It's incredible to reconnect with you and just get this opportunity to talk through your really impressive background and the work that you've done uh, in so many different areas. So um, I'd love to start off uh, talking about your book, because that's how you and I first met in Kentucky, where we had an opportunity. (laughs) Uh, to, for me to hear your story, and in your book, being my mom's mom, you yeah. share um, a ton of stories, and I love the addition at the end where you have quotes from her. My favorite one is the ice cream quote because I totally can relate to that. Um, but you talk a lot about patience, and yeah. and when I and when I've talked with caregivers in the past, uh, you know, some have said patience comes easier than other things, or sometimes it's not that easy to be patient get really kind of frustrated um in thinking of kind of patience and how it connects with empathy how would you would you say that patience is a form of empathy and how would you use that understanding to influence kind of your interaction with your mom and and other individuals i think uh, empathy is a huge part of um, patience and you know vice versa i think they just go hand in hand you know i was raised to just be kind to everybody you know unless they gave you reason not to and I, so i loved your theme i'm so happy to to be here with you today to talk about this and sure you run into a lot of caregivers who really struggle with the patience piece but what has made it sort of a key factor for me is just switching you know, places with that person. And you know, one of the things, for example, in dementia that requires a lot of patience is the repetition thing. They say the same thing over and over. And you have to put yourself in their place. Nobody does that 
on purpose. <laughs> when you see people, you know, in the grocery store or wherever, and, and somebody's, you know, repeating the same thing over and over, and everybody's looking around like, why do they keep saying that? Well, who would do that intentionally? And, you know, I would want, if that were me, I would want somebody to have, you know, compassion and empathy and, you know, do whatever they could to sort of accommodate me, you know, to either make that go away or make it easier or, you know, to move us out of the situation so people are not staring at you, you know, that kind of thing. So I've always tried to apply that. So not only with my mom in public, you know, when we could go out, but also with others, doctors, it's very easy to lose your patience with doctors, for example. You know, you expect them to write a prescription and you run all over, you know, all these places to find it and they still haven't done it. And so that's a little more difficult because, you, you know, I, I give my mother a lot of leeway because, you know, her skills continue to diminish and you're prepared for that. You're not as prepared for when other people don't do it as well. So you really have to be extra kind. But again, even with doctors, I say, well, they have a lot of patience. Everybody wants something. And so it, it just spreads around. But I think it really starts with the kindness and then going from there. So, and I love that. I think, you know, having that understanding of somebody and what they're going through, it can really help build that. But was, I know for me, I'm not a very patient person. Were you, were you always so patient or did you have to really work hard at doing that? on it a little bit. I think I was, but probably not as patient as I was. And I wasn't prepared for dementia. I mean, who is? So I started to, sounds terrible, but practice in a way. So I, the, the article I included in my book had some fabulous tips, you know, knowing what your triggers are. So like, for example, when my mother moved from like the early stages to the middle stage, I would call, to, you know, when I got out in front of her building to say, I'm here, come on down for your doctor's appointment. And then she would never come. And so, you know, then you have to go up and get it. Oh, did you call? You're like, oh. And so I instead, my trigger was being on time. My trigger has always been that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler for time. And so I went around that by building in 20 extra minutes to go upstairs, find the purse, find the keys and all the things that, you know, you got to look for. And so that's how I learned to just build it over time. And, and what's interesting, Anthony, really is when you're out in public and other people are observing you. So our most famous story is that being in the grocery store and my mother kept asking, you know, what the date was so she could write a check. And you never know who's watching you. And so, you know, I'm, I'm answering her every time she asks and I'm happy to answer. It's not bothering me at all, but clearly it was bothering everybody else. So when it's our turn to, to write the check, she gets up to the part of the counter and she's leaning on the counter and she asks one more time, what's today? And I'm about to answer, but all the, you know, the number of people behind us, they all yell out at the same time, it's the 17th. <laughs> and so we're laughing hysterically. And my mother looks at me and asks, I guess I asked you that before, huh? And we're laughing hysterically, but everybody else is like, what's wrong with these people? But a lady that was in that line talked about, followed us out of the store, was about to cry and talked about how amazed she was watching us together and how patient she I, you know, I was. And so she asked for tips and she admitted how mean she was to her mom and, um, you know, just lost all patience every time her mother did the slightest thing wrong. So she thanked me and gave me a big hug and cried just how much I'd helped her just that 20 minutes or so in that line. And I think that's our, our contribution to other people is helping them be better. So over time, my patience just continued to build and build and build. And you, you really educated yourself on dementia as a disease. I mean, it's in your book about the articles and the people that I you did. 
And I'm sure that that, that helps tremendously. It really did. I tell everybody, you know, learn everything, no matter what the disease is. My sister died of MS and I learned everything I could about that too. And so I try to just immerse myself to find out in what way can I be the most help? And I don't think you can be of any help because one of the reasons I think that lady in the grocery store, I think one of the reasons she had lost so much patience with her mom is she didn't know the things that were coming. So when her mother started to repeat herself, she absolutely believed her mother was doing it on purpose. They had kind of a not a great relationship anyway. So she really thought her mother was doing it on purpose. And so once she started to research and do things, it gets better. So the more you know about the disease, the more you expect to happen. And when it happens, oh, I, yes, they said that was gonna happen. And then you're not as surprised, you don't fly off the handle because you know what is causing it. And it's not your loved one, so yeah. Well, and I think uh, if people walk away from this with anything at all, I know I'm walking away from the build-in 20 extra minutes. Yes. That's a, that's a huge tip. And I have this habit of, I will schedule myself back to back to back. And, you know, of course you have been incredibly gracious, you know, about my schedule changes, but that's frustrating for people. It's frustrating for me when, when things don't go according to schedule. Um, and I'm sure for other folks, so that's a great tip, you know, building it. It really works. And one of the other tips really is just to, um, not only know these triggers that kind of set you off, but also to just kind of, you know, have some self-confidence and, you know, look at ex- just accepting the situation as it is. Everybody hates dementia, but it's here. It isn't going anywhere. So we just have to, so I just started looking for the positive in that. And there is some positive about dementia. There really is. And so you have to find it. So for example, when, you know, somebody else in the family dies, you can choose to you know, tell them or not. And you, know, you make all of these decisions at, for their best interest. And so there are some, some good things about that, but you get to make all of these decisions and then you accept it, it's not going away. So you try to live with it as best you can. And that involves you know, being kind and just having as much patience and changing your attitude about it. I mean, I was doing fine with all of the things, all of the changes in my mom. What was killing me for a while was just my attitude toward a disease. I mean, I hated it with a passion, but I had to just kind of let all that go and then just take every day as a new day. And one of the things I say in the book is, you know, loving my mother every day for who she is on that day. That is a key tip, too, because I, when people say, well, what tip do you have about what I can expect? And I'm like, every day is different. They're like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that is one of the greatest things you can share with somebody. Every day is different. Absolutely. And I remember when I had the opportunity to work in a community that served people with dementia, we would get so focused on, well, the person can no longer do this. They can no longer do all the things that they used to do. And we don't really focus on here are all the incredible things that they can do today. That's correct. That's correct. That's my whole thing. And I I have a whole, sometimes I'll speak somewhere and they want you know, the four lessons learned and, and number you know two or three always is focus on the things they can still do. And people go, oh, like nobody's ever thought of that. Like if I counted all the things she could no longer do, we'd be crazy. So I focus on it. If I made a list now, she can still do a lot of things. I just choose to hold on to that. Absolutely. Well, and you, you mentioned your speaking. And again, that's how you and I met. Uh, and yeah. can- several years ago. So you are, you're a college educator, you're an author, you're a speaker, um, you're a Lego play facilitator. We're going to get to that in a couple minutes. Um, So, but you 
you know, when you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, you described kind of this Oprah moment that you had um, in regards to, to a speaking event that you did. And I sure. loved that story, and I thought that our listeners would uh, would appreciate hearing that. Would you mind sharing that with us? Oh, of course. Well, one of the things you learn, you know, when you're learning the speaking business, you know, you, you take these, some of these courses. There are a lot of things out there on the Internet and all kinds of things that you can teach yourself. I'm in a speaker's group. And... One of the things that people debate over is whether or not you should do free speaking engagements. Now, again, back to your kindness thing, my mother always taught us you help others when people need it. Cost should not be a prohibiting factor for you know whatever it is. And so I had been uh, selected as the keynote speaker in um, at the University of Wisconsin, one of their branches, and. I was really excited about it. It was a big thing. They were expecting a huge crowd and I was, you know, so excited. And then a few weeks before the conference, one of the women who was on the advisory committee uh, for that conference called me out of the blue. And she says, she starts off by saying, hi Loretta, you don't know me from Adam, but I have a weird question to um, ask. Just bear with me for a minute. Okay, you know, I'm up for anything. So she says, I have this group, you know, a support group kind of thing. And they would love to come to the conference, but the cost is prohibitive and they can't, you know, come up with that. She said, is there any way you would consider, you know, staying an extra night and speaking to my group on Saturday morning? And she says, you know, we don't have any, you know, any funds really. You know, you could stay at my house, stay at my house. You could stay at my house and my husband will cook you whatever you want. My husband's a chef, he's a great cook and he'll cook whatever you want. She had me at the food. So I was like, I said, yes, right away. I'm sure people are like, what were you thinking? <laughs> You're gonna stay in this woman's house. You've never seen her from Adam. And so we had to go through all this little fiasco to do it. So I do the keynote, it was fabulous. And then I'm gonna go home with this woman and it was so great. And the woman who was at the conference, she was like, well, you can't keep the rental car another day. Like, no, no, we have that covered. So she follows me to the rental car place. I drop off the car. I jump into her car. And it was the best night ever. Her husband was phenomenal. She was awesome. And we had the best time. Like, we had known each other forever. Two of the kindest people, I mean, ever. And so we get up in the next morning. I'm all packed. They lug my luggage. We get to the place. It's a really nice senior center, but in a totally different, you know, neighborhood and environment from the day before on the big college campus. And so I get there and everybody's so nice. They treat me like royalty. And then a lot of the people came by a bus to this senior center. So the bus pulls up. And I mean, <laughs> it's nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I can barely put on jeans on a Saturday. These people come dressed up like they're going to church. I'm looking like I'm looking at what I have on and some of them had on hats and they see me and they're cheering and they're, I'm looking around to see who they're clapping for <laughs> and it's me so they're like oh and you know there was a long line for book signing people are hugging oh it it was just amazing and you could tell the pre during the presentation they're hanging hanging on every word and I'm about to cry doing this thing because they're writing and thankfully I had handouts where you know I had the, the key bullet points so they didn't have to write but everybody was writing you know so many things and I um the one concern I was worried about was I wanted to hang out with them all afternoon but I only had about 45 minutes or so after the presentation before I had to head off to the airport I could stay with them forever but it really was a um an Oprah moment you know where everybody just you know praises you and is so excited just to be in your presence. I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And just 
so appreciative of the fact that I gave up my day. I spent the $75 change fee to change my ticket. And they actually found a sponsor to give me my $75 back, but I didn't even want it. I mean, I took it, but I had gotten my money's worth just spending the, that nine to 12, you know, uh, time frame with them. It, it was probably one of the best days ever. And just hugging, you know, when we were leaving, like we have known these people all our lives. And of course, then the woman's husband, you know, takes me to the airport while she stays to clean up. And ah, it was just one of the most perfect days. But I would have, I'm so thrilled that I said yes. And my mother would be proud that I was. So I'm glad I, you know, don't pay attention to that thing of never doing anything for free. Some of the best experiences of my life have been those free things where some of what you come away with is more than any money you could ever, you know, get. And and so that's my Oprah moment. <laughs> well, and I think just the willingness to share your time and your knowledge and that gift to somebody and the people who benefited from it. I, I can imagine that people taking that information and sharing it with others who maybe yes. weren't there and so I think when you when you contribute that kindness and out to people who you know may not have had access to a lot of that information or you know uh, I know whenever I started learning about dementia and caregiving you you find these articles and you go well that doesn't really relate to me or that doesn't really mm-hmm. uh, you know, or maybe sometimes I just can't understand it I'm not somebody to read a medical journal right so right. having somebody who's walked it and lived it and breathed it to, to tell that story I think is phenomenal um, and so, you know, second lesson of the day, I think for our readers is be open to those moments yes. where you can say yes and those moments where you can share your gifts. And, and uh, it may not be every time that you get to do that, but, you know, make an effort to do that for sure. That's so true, because one of the women who could not come, her friend sat there and took, you know, sort of double notes <laughs> for her friend. She asked me, could she record parts of it? And I was fine with that. And um, she called her. We took a little break. She said, oh, it's, you're really missing it. It's so good. And so she had her on speakerphone for a while. It was quite, it was just quite the thing. And, you know, it, it really did, you know, make my day. So I, you know, I just agree with you so much. You have to, um, you know, really be open to, you know, opportunities that you probably would not have had. Otherwise, I would never have met any of those people um, had it not been for this woman having the courage to call all I could say is no so she picked up that phone and it's coming she said you're gonna think I'm crazy but I'm gonna ask you anyway good for her for for doing that only you know and I I learned a lot from her doing that too because uh, not everybody would do that but that goes to show you how kind she was she wanted her group of people to be able to experience exactly what everybody experienced from that keynote and all the other presenters the next day which cost you know a hundred dollars or so and not everybody had, had that and she fought for her people to have that same opportunity and i i give her so much credit for doing that absolutely i love that if you have a crazy idea just go for it <laughs> you know, the yes what you can do is say no and then you move on and you find the next person I- that's right. They lived on a golf course and everything. So it was quite, it was quite the thing. So I was, I was uh, quite thrilled, but I think we all, you know, came away from that with a variety of lessons that we could share with other people for sure. Absolutely. So, you know, as I mentioned, you are a pretty dynamic woman, but I have to admit, um, when I first heard about you and I, and somebody said the words Lego play facilitator to me, I might have rolled my eyes. And I don't know if you get that reaction a lot, but you educated me. And I have to say, I've told probably 10 people about it as I've talked to folks and they've asked, you know, who's coming on the podcast. And I said, you know, this has got to be one of my favorite things to talk about. And I probably still know very little about it. So 
you, as you've shared with me, it has a really positive and important role in improving communication and helping teams kind of really align their vision. You and you absolutely with you know really big organizations, right? Yeah. Um, so, can you share a little bit about your background there and, and how you've used? Because sure. I think communication is so important in helping leaders uh, lead with empathy and. Yes with other folks so if somebody walks away from this with an idea that they've never done before i think yes. it's worth that that would really be great so i've been a lego fan my whole life and um you know always used it you know at work and and <laughs> and kind of at home is always the stress reduction thing for me and i um heard about this lego serious play as you know a mechanism a methodology as they call it to get people sort of all on the same page. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was a manager of people at the time. So I wanted my team to perform well like everybody else. And they had some really great strengths and they had areas where we could all have improved. So Lego Serious Play is built on four core principles, they call them. And the first is, um, if you told me you want to just do a team building or you want to make the best caregiver experience or senior living experience or whatever it is. So I would take that information you shared with me. So you start with a uh, question or a challenge or a task, and then you with the group um, hand that out as sort of a task and then everybody builds whatever they, they um, think represents that for them. And then everybody agrees to share with the group, what they built, and then we all reflect. So how it works is if uh, one of the groups I work with, they were trying to build trust within their group. They'd had a lot of internal strife and they wanted to build trust. Hey, works for me. So everybody you know, agrees to, to build that. So you give them three or four minutes to do that. And then we go around the room. Now here's where the communication piece really comes in. It's all about uh, listening and sharing. And so titles, go completely out the window. So you can have the CEO all the way down to the janitorial staff, the cafeteria you know, folks, the, the tea cart. I mean, everybody's in the same room. And what makes it significant is not only do the titles go out the room, you're not addressing the personality. You're looking at their hands and what they built. So um, nobody says, Anthony, I didn't like what you said at the meeting last week. And I, as a facilitator, I would say, is that in the model? So they could ask all the questions, but it has to be about what they built. So you can just see the looks on people's faces. Oh, that's how they feel that way. Oh, I didn't know you thought that way. And so if you tell, and it's all about metaphors. So if you tell me this little brick is, you know, peace or trust, I'm gonna say, yeah, more power to you. And so the reflection parts, is I go around the room and kind of summarize what I heard you say about the strategic plan that you all will be working on for 2021 is to continue to share ideas, come right to the source with information. And that's how we build trust. These are all the things I heard you say. So sometimes people have the, um, you know, either the whiteboard or something up where you can write down these guiding principles. But what I really love and where some of the power really comes from is if you're working at a table building these things and everybody's model is there, what is the most moving about it is that if they want to accomplish something as a team, so you would have your model of trust and I have mine. And so I would ask you, what is the most significant piece from your model that reflects, you know, the most important thing about trust for you? And then we would go to a totally different table and all of us would bring out one or two pieces with us and we go over there and now we're going to build a shared model of trust. And then we can put it up somewhere, you know, put it in the you know, cafeteria or wherever. 
at the reception desk so everybody can see it. And it's not that you changed my definition of trust and I didn't change yours. You heard mine, you accepted it, you didn't try to change me, I, and I did the same for you. So it's really about this is what reflects trust from us as a group without diminishing anybody's words or feelings. Or, and, and it is profound. You see people at times get very emotional. Some people cry, people are hugging. Because some people, you know, you go to a meeting and one person talks, everybody else just sits there. I'm usually that person. Yes, I see. And so you wouldn't be able to do that in this group. You, you, everybody was just like, wow, Anthony and people clap after people present. And people leave, you know, everybody says that. Oh, it was a life change. It can be life changing. I've worked with groups where people haven't spoken for four or five years. I got an extra bonus once for putting two people on a team to build something together that hadn't spoken in years. And they had tried anger management and none of that worked. And so somebody said, call Loretta with the Legos. And Loretta came and, and it was over. <laughs> They went to lunch the next day, which is astounding. And, and you know, but it is the most fun. And you're thinking with your hands. So even if you feel in a meeting, I'm not going to say that. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. When you're sharing your idea with that little Lego model in front of you, people are like, wow. Because, you know, Lego has pieces that move. So you have things spinning around. People are like, wow. You know, as the world turns and all that. But bringing the strategic plan or the mission statement or whatever to life. I've been to some places where people don't have the don't even know the mission statement. They've been there 10 years. <laughs> but when you ask them to build it, they go wild. And, and, and now they remember either based on what they built or what, you know, what you built. And so it is it is a very interesting methodology. And because it's not blaming or uh, nobody wants to take responsibility or whatever, it really is just sharing and listening. And then as the facilitator, my role is not to jump in and share. Sometimes I build, most of the time I don't. I'm watching what they are building and I'm wrapping it all up for them. These are the things I heard, especially if they want to work on specific principles for next year or whatever it is. And then there have been wonderful times where I go back three months later to see where they are. Then they build more models. And Lego has some wonderful pieces called connectors. And so if I want to be more in connection with you to either um, increase team building or, you know, do more in sales and marketing or whatever it is, then I take my piece and connect it through this long, you know, piece. And uh, I, that reminds me, hey, I said I want to be more connected to Anthony. So now I'm going to reach out and email you, whereas I may not have done so before. So I take big, a lot of pictures of all the connections across the table that people have to agree to make after the event is over. It's quite the thing. <laughs> it sounds phenomenal. And I, I'm going to go on Amazon tonight and buy a huge set of Lego. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but what I think, you know, as you were talking through that, what I think I heard that was the most important there is that people have the opportunity to show others what they mean. Sometimes when I say a word, others may not quite have the same meaning to it. You know, mm -hmm. diverse teams with different backgrounds. And you know, we, if you're coming from two totally different perspectives, you know, trust may mean something very different. Correct. You know, or communication or expectations. And so, but when I can show you what that looks like, um, I think that helps teams get really exciting work done because you have a better understanding of what's expected of you and, and what you've been able to share with other people. So I, I love that. that so That is really true. And, and there have been, even Lego uses it to improve their own processes. That's how, that's, 
I'm good. And you know, every now and then the, the person I took the facilitation class from is a whole, it was a really intense class. It's an entire week. Then you have to actually facilitate a class with all these master trainers in the room. And so it, it was uh, quite the thing. But the, when they go inside Lego to, to do with the one guy, I, my instructor was a 30 year Lego employee and they asked him to spin off and do this consultancy. So when they go in to work with you know, Lego themselves in Denmark, they have to pay too. So it's really kind of funny, but that's how seriously they take it. So you know, Lego serious play is really a thing, but it is, um, I've learned so much from it, especially about kindness. Because you, as I said, when you have people in the room who do not get along, you're, you're, you're on the only rules in play are the four rules. You know, you know, you know, your question, your building, your sharing, and then reflecting. Those are the only four rules. And but you find that people, even when they don't like each other, they agree to adhere to those four rules because there's no threat to them. <laughs> you know, you're not my boss telling me what to do. So people are very open to it more than they um, what the the management teams usually say is they more open to that than they are to when when some people are trying to do conflict resolution and all that kind of stuff because you know when somebody and you tell somebody we're going to do conflict resolution today everybody kind of goes you know what did we do wrong or whatever but when you tell me we're going to go play for two hours we're like yeah i'm in <laughs> so it's a totally i'm still working on conflict management but they don't realize that they see some legos they're like let's go yeah i'm, I'm all in but you don't know the boss told told me it was all about conflict and resolving it. And we do that, but they just don't realize it. So it's all like you say, it's all in the words you choose. Cause when you say conflict management or anger management, people just roll their eyes. <laughs> well, and I think like you mentioned earlier, when you remove the job titles, when you remove the organizational dynamics, you have this opportunity to really connect with people as, as who they are and the ideas that they have. So I, I love that. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, lesson three of the day is, you know, make room to connect with people and show expectations yeah. kind of versus telling them. Um, I absolutely love that. I can't wait to show you uh, my first Lego creation. Yay! I'll have to share that um, on, on our social media. Uh, well, Loretta, I really appreciate the time that you have spent with me. I think uh, yeah. we had a fascinating conversation uh, in so many different ways and definitely encourage people to check out your book. It was one that brought so many smiles, um, a few tears to my eyes, but just, you know, I think it's one that is meaningful, whether or not you are currently caring for somebody with dementia. Uh, living with dementia now or you know just having that opportunity to understand somebody else's world is really important but i'd yeah. love to ask you you know i know that you stay on top of you know resources and and uh, are actively you know just consuming information would you have a book recommendation or a resource recommendation that you would love to share with our listeners today well, I do, and it's actually not about caregiving. Interestingly, it's tied together. So my theme for 2021 was to create joy for caregivers. We've all been in this pandemic for almost a year now, lockdown, and I wanted to um, create joy for caregivers. So one of the things I'm going to be doing with the Legos is rebuilding joy with caregivers. I'll be doing that on some Saturdays and things. And so I wonder, of course, research joy. And wow, did I find the perfect book. So um, in 2016, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu wrote the book of joy, lasting happiness in a changing world. And I mean to tell you, it is quite the thing, about 14 chapters or so of forgiveness and openness. And I mean, has 
everything in there. And how do you, you know, sort of remain joyful through all the things that life throws at you? And, you know, two vastly different spiritual men coming at it from different places, but they came to the same place. They spent a weekend retreat together. That's how this book was developed <laughs> from this retreat. And so spending the whole week or whatever it was together, but uh, it's probably one of the best books ever. And so I'm going to be using that book for a lot of the um, Lego things that we're going to be doing this year in 2021. So yeah, I recommend that book to anybody. And it really, it opens you up to, to every caregiving tasks you do any you know anybody that works in a senior living environment that book could work wonders because whether you're dealing with families who have not had the best of family dynamics you can bring some joy into their lives too and maybe resolve some things in a way so it's not so much to how to do the caregiving kind of thing what this book did for me was to show us the variety of ways we can you know if you lost your joy how to get it back and then, you know, how to make it last as well. Because who thought this is where we'd be, you know, last year, <laughs> this yeah. time. So, yeah. So that's my book. Well, thank you. I love that because you, it's so important to remember that people are not 100% consistently kind or empathetic. Yes. It, it goes away sometimes. And you have to really work on, re, you know, recharging that and adding that back. Um, and that's perfectly okay to do. And, and when you accept that, I think it just really gives you an opportunity to open yourself up to these new resources. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you again for your time. All um, our listeners can connect with you in the show notes on LinkedIn, and they can check out your website and follow you for more uh, really exciting uh, resources and inspiration as they go about their, their caregiving journeys or just throughout life. Um, and uh, it was great, great to have you with us today. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Athena. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was fantastic to reconnect with Loretta Bainey today, and I encourage you to connect with her on LinkedIn. Information is in the episode notes in your podcast player. Before we end today, I have a few requests as a new podcaster starting this journey. One, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share with a friend or a colleague. This is how we grow, and I'm so appreciative when you take a moment to share our work with others. I invite you to follow along on social media as we take this journey to LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. I think we can all agree that those are places that could benefit from some kindness and empathy right now. Throughout the week, we share fantastic resources on those pages in addition to announcements for new podcast episodes, so you're bound to learn something that you can take back to work with you. And third, if you know someone who you think would be a great guest for this podcast, please email me at anthony at humankindpodcast.io and let me know. We're always engaging with professionals from a diverse background and skill set who can contribute unique views on the subject of empathy and kindness in business. I encourage you to join us for future episodes as we meet with former Ritz-Carlton Vice President Theo Gilbert-Jameson and EQ speaker and author Jennifer Shirkani in the next few weeks. Until next time, thank you for joining us on Humankind Podcast for Leaders.